Good morning. Come on, happy Memorial Day weekend to each one of you. Excited to be in church this morning? Yeah. yeah. Some of y'all excited about chicken and family fun day? Come on. Y'all know, you're like, that's a preacher's setup because it goes into, but you know you're really excited about Jesus this morning. Come on. Come on, we're excited about him today because he is the reason we're here, the reason we assemble, we gather, we hang out, we do small groups. The reason we worship, the reason we write songs and sing songs, the reason we do everything here, we are followers of Jesus, and we want to become more like him. Amen? Amen. This morning, we are going to dive into part four of our series on the book of James. Excited about this series we're in. If you've missed it, part week number one, we talked about testing and how testing qualifies you, proves your qualification for the work that God has for you. Second week, we talked about temptation, how we walk through temptation, and God gives us a way out. Last week, we talked about the power of the tongue. Wow, was that convicting. Come on. I took it home with me, and I walked through, and everything I said, it felt like it was being high, like a highlighter was wrapped around what I was saying last week and exposing my heart for what it was. If you want to know more about that, you can go back and watch that as well. This morning, I want to dive into part four, and I want you to turn your Bible to James chapter 1, verse 22. 2022 20, is where we'll start this morning. And as we unpack these scriptures, something inside of this, and we read over this last week, and it wouldn't let me go. I was planning on going in another direction this morning, but it wouldn't let me go. And I realized why midway through the week, because James here, who is the half-brother of Jesus, actually echoes words that his mother, Mary, said at a moment in time when Jesus explodes on the scene. And I couldn't get away from it. Something gripped me about it as I was reading over it and reading his words. And it took me back to the story of when Mary said these very same thing, this very same, these very same words. And as she did, it gives us direction even for today. So if you're looking for direction today, if you're looking for strength today, encouragement today, don't let this be something that would cause you to be confused. Don't let this be something that would cause you to be back down or step back from God, but let it be something that would propel you to pursue him more and push you closer to him. James chapter 1, verse 22 simply says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. But pastor, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It does, and that's exactly how it works. However, you don't stop at the listening and the hearing. There's more instruction to follow. That's step one. Step one is to hear the word of God. Well, what's step two? Do what it says. It's an action step. Oh my goodness, this is going to be good this morning. This is going to be so good this morning. Because James right there gives us understanding as to how to step closer to God. The very vision statement for the avenue, we exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Well, how does that happen? It happens by hearing the word and then doing something with it. And if you're looking at your life this morning, well, I'm still here. One year ago, right now, I was still in this place. Hadn't gone to a small group, hadn't participated in giving, hadn't volunteered to serve, hadn't stepped up to do whatever. You are only hearing the word of God. Listen to me. You are a taker. You're taking from the scripture. You're taking the word that is being given. You're taking the worship that's being sung. You're taking the opportunity, but you're not 
doing anything with it. And James, pastoring this church, he is leading the church there in Jerusalem, and he's writing this out, and it even echoes to us today. You have to do something, otherwise you're walking in deception. Do not deceive yourselves thinking, well, I'm hearing the word, I'm going to church, I'm sitting in, I'm listening, even when I'm gone on vacation, I'm opening up the, pod, the podcast or the YouTube, and I'm taking part. Do something with it. And he goes on to expound, for anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. How many of y'all looked at the face in the mirror this morning? Come on. You know you did. There ain't a mirror you walk by and you don't. So, mm-hmm, right there. There's, a, like, there's not a mirror, but there's a reflection off that glass right there. There's reflections of us all over the place. You can easily find a reflection of yourself if you look around. But James uses this analogy to say it's like somebody who looks at himself in the mirror. He walks away. She walks away from the mirror. And immediately you forget what you look like. That's somebody who hears the word and doesn't act on it. The word doesn't take root. It doesn't have a place to land. It doesn't have a place to be established because action creates in your life the word that then begins to grow and develop you and move you closer towards God to the place that he wants you to be. So whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, if you're looking for a free life, If you're looking for that life that gives freedom, you continue in it. You cannot forget what you've heard, but you have to do something about it. You will be blessed in what you do. Look at that promise James gives us. Look at the promise God gives us that when you take the word, when you act upon it, you will be blessed in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for being so good to us. God, we thank you. We remember those that gave their lives this morning to give us freedom. Lord, we thank you for their families. Lord, we remember their sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus to give us the opportunity to live this life of freedom, the perfect law that would give us freedom to become all that you have created us to be. Unlock that this morning for somebody in this room, somebody watching online. God, let it click today. Lord, let the words that I speak only be the words that you want to be said. Anything that comes out of my flesh, let it fall to the ground. Lord, but let everything that you want to be said, be said and take root in our heart. Compel us to be drawn closer to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? It is often in life that you arrive somewhere. We said last week that your tongue frames the world that you're living in right now. You've spoken to existence, the place that you are right now. You've said things, you've lived life out, you've, you've walked it out. And, but it's, it's also the decisions you've made that have determined your destiny. Right now, you are the total sum of every decision you've ever made. That's the place you're at right now. Good decisions, bad decisions. Good choices, bad choices. Good choices of life to say that I chose this, so I'm here. Bad choices, I chose this, so I'm here as well. Choices and decisions dictate destiny. So we have these situations in our lives that we look back and go, well, that was a good choice. There's a good choice, a good choice that I made to come this morning, a good choice that I made to be here today. A bad choice looks like eating Taco Bell. Always a bad choice. (laughs) 
You have determined your destiny when you eat Taco Bell. A bad choice is I, I'm going to use my tongue to let somebody know what I think of them. You've determined your destiny with that tongue. A bad choice is I'm going to use this moment right now to dictate things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive faster than I should than what is posted on the road and then I get pulled over, I get penalized and I'm not being safe, I'm breaking the law so then I get a penalty for that and what do I do? I get frustrated about it and I have nobody to blame but myself but it was a bad choice I made. There's good choices we make too. Good choices. Choices that are healthy for us. This year, we'll celebrate 16 years of marriage. What a good choice Tara made. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Good choice. That's the Bible says. Strike that from the records. Choices that you're making every day. Choices that you decide every day. Choices that you determine every day. Choices are the reason why you are where you are, the decisions that you make. I remember I had a decision to make. And if, I, if you've ever heard of a guy named Zig Ziglar, he was a, a guru, like a, like a leadership guy, just amazing. I knew a guy, and his wife was his personal assistant. I worked with him. We were office mates. And he invited me one day. He said, you could come to his Bible study at his home at 6 a.m. I said, man, that would be amazing. Unbelievable opportunity. Ziegler, Ziegler has died, gone on to heaven. I was going to be able to sit there at a personal Bible study with this man and listen to him teach. However, 6 a.m. was really early for a single guy. And I made a bad choice to not get out of bed and commit myself to that Bible study. And I look back and go, what impact did I miss what happened because of a bad decision that I'd rather stay up later at night, not get up early in the morning, and get to a place today where I missed out on an opportunity God had carved out for me? Decisions that we have, decisions that determine the place I am right now. But I also made a choice one day that I was going to tell God at 16 years old, God, I will do what you want me to do. Say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go. And God took me up on that. Now, there have been times when I've kind of been weak in that commitment, yes. But I have been strong by the power of the grace of God many times to the point that I arrive now in Houston. Not my hometown. Here in this place, pastoring, hanging out with you, building a life in this community. Why? Because of a choice and a decision I made that I would say yes to God. So when he spoke and gave me direction, I immediately acted upon it. One of the best, best decisions, choices I've ever made in my life was to just say, I'm going to read the Bible every day. Every day. That's so simple. There's nothing to it. Every day, how could that be a result? How could that result in anything good? It results in the ability now to have the word of your life, to say, I'm going to set God first. Daily Bible reading is never to be underrated. It's always to be something that I, I look forward to. I expect to hear from God every day in my life, first thing in the morning. I wake up thinking I'm getting a cup of coffee and I'm going to hear from God. Because of a decision I made that I will do this every day, day in, day out. Do I miss a day? Yes. Do I make up for that day? Yes. 
but it's a decision that has been pre-made so that when the opportunity comes, I already know the answer. Good choices, bad choices. It's our decisions and desires that determine our destiny. It's not thinking happy thoughts. It's what I'm choosing to do. So let me unpack this story for you because I saw that those words that James wrote, just do it. Whatever the word is that you've been told to do, you should do it. I I saw this and I want to unpack it. I want you to go back with me to John chapter 2. Understand this. Jesus is 30 years old. He's about to come onto the scene. And as he's about to step onto the scene, he has yet to do in public a miracle, sign, a wonder. Hasn't done anything to heal anyone yet recorded that we know of. This is the moment that we have the first time that he does something in public like this. But it's, a, it's curious because he's at a wedding. Now, most scholars believe that it is actually John, his disciple, it is his wedding, the one who's writing this. He is getting married. Weddings in those days lasted seven days. Now, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. However it was, it was a seven-day wedding. And this is day number three, as we pick it up in verse one, of this wedding. Jesus, his mother Mary, his brothers, including James, are invited to this wedding. His disciples are there as well. Notice this, James is not James the disciple. This is James, the brother of Jesus. They're all invited. And on the third day of the wedding, it took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus' disciples had been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' brothers, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Now you wonder what kind of a problem this was for Mary because she highlighted it. Jesus, they have no more wine. There's a challenge at this wedding. They've run out of wine and the scandal is on what happened to all of the wine. There's still four more days of a wedding to celebrate. This would be embarrassing for many reasons. One, because there wasn't proper preparation. Two, because maybe the host of the wedding couldn't afford the wine to start with, and they knew it was going to happen, but they were trying to fake their way through it. Whatever the scenario is, Mary makes this observation that the wine is gone. It's gone. It's funny because sometimes, you know, as a parent, you can do this with your kid. You can make an observation even though you're trying to make a point. And you look around and you say, are those your shoes? The shoes haven't been put away. They've been taken off. They've been left right there on the staircase. My four-year-old, now he's four, so I give him some grace, not all, some. He had a pile on two steps that he was stepping over to get upstairs. He can't come back, Dax, come back downstairs. I'm, I'm annoying him at this point. Why would I call him back down? This is two days ago. It's all toys, little shoes about that big, and I make that obvious statement. Is that your stuff? My point is, is take your stuff with you as you go upstairs. But I say it in a way of, is that your stuff? And at four years old, his comprehension may not quite be there yet, or he may be looking at me like mine's not there yet, because of course it's his stuff. Mary's statement in this moment is much like that. They have no more wine. She's asking Jesus, hey, you got to do something here you got to help these people out. There's no more wine. And Jesus responds to her with a statement that I would not recommend anybody saying, Woman, 
Why do you involve me? As if, like, leave me out of this. Woman, I don't want nothing to do with this. My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, oh, here it is. Do whatever he tells you. I can see Mary looking over at them. Jesus, they got no more wine. Woman, my hour has not yet come. And I bet you she pulled one of these parental moves as if to say, do whatever he tells you. Turns her back and walks away as if I've said it. My word's going to go out. You're going to do it. I know it is. And she just calmly walks away the other direction. She says, do what he tells you to do. Can I tell you this morning that if you want to move from where you are to where God wants you to be, follow those instructions. Do what he tells you to do. Begins by making a commitment to say that whatever you tell me to do, God, I'm going to do it. So then when the instructions come, you're not in a moment of debate and you're not taking votes based upon how I feel, what I think. Let me add my logic I said I would show up for load-in on Sunday morning at 6.30. And at 6 o'clock when the alarm goes off, you're debating, do I go, do I not go? Do I go, do I not go? No, you've already decided I will do it. So when the alarm goes off, you don't even hit snooze. You get out of bed excited. Man, I get to go and prepare the house of God today for people to hear God's word. There's something that happens in you when you will pre-decide to do whatever he tells you to do. And he told him, draw some out. I skipped ahead. Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said, now draw some out. Take it to the master of the banquet. And so they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, that the servants had drawn the water they knew. I love it when God uses me to do something and kind of hides me in the back. And everybody's like, wow, look what God did. Have you ever experienced that before? You're not looking for the limelight. You're not looking for the praise. You're not looking for the platform. You're not looking for any of that. You're just going, God, I just want to be used by you. And I bet those servants were back there like just snickering, like laughing, like, yo, we know what happened. We know he, we put water in there and somehow that guy thinks there's wine. He's crazy, but we know what's up. Everyone who brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine, and after the guests have drank too much, the drink, they've tasted that cheaper wine and they're too drunk to know the difference. And he says, but you have saved the best until now. Let's unpack verse 5. Do whatever he tells you to do. There's something special about a church that will let this be their mandate. Something special about a family who will let this be their guide. There's something special about a person who will let this be what you've already predetermined, that whatever God tells you to do, you will do it. 
That is the controlling point of your life. That is where the rubber meets the road. That is what happens when you get direction and you hear from God or you're challenged by his word or the pastor says something or you read something or you're in a Bible study and it comes along. Your answer is always, God, if that's you, I'm in. I've learned this. It doesn't have to make sense for it to be God. Come on. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be logical, sensible. It doesn't have to add up. Hey, Noah, you know, it never rained on the earth, ever. Noah, go build an ark. It's going to take you 120 years. It's going to be massive. I'm going to send rain. It's going to flood the earth. So go build a boat. Imagine if Noah tried to do the logic on that. It's never rained. There's no lake around here to float this boat. And besides, it's only me and my three sons to build it with. No, no, no. But by faith, he steps out. See, everybody wants the miraculous. Nobody wants the ridiculous. And so you go, God, I'll do it. I'll build this boat. 120 years of building a boat. Then it rained. Then the floods came and his family was saved. You never know how you're setting up your destiny by the decisions you're making today. You don't know what tomorrow holds. So you trust God who knows tomorrow to make a decision today, even though the outcome seems not sure, uncertain. Doesn't make sense. But you could trust a God who makes all things work together for good. You know, God told this guy, Elijah, hey, the birds are going to feed you. Go over here by the river. Birds are going to come bring the food in. Well, God, you know, last time I checked, the birds are stealing all my food. Yeah, but they're going to feed you. He told Ezekiel, hey, go lay on your left side for 390 days. Thank God that's not what I've been told to do. Do you understand you'd be a social media blow up if you were laying on your guys get up on a roof because their sports team doesn't win for two weeks and they sit out there. You were just going to lay on your side for over a year and then roll over to the other side for another 90 days. Why? Don't even know. Just do it. He told Hosea, check this out. He told Hosea, name your kids. Unloved, not my people. Do you know what kind of therapy them kids had to have? What's your name? Unloved. This is my second son. Not my people. Because God's not always trying to make sense in your life. He's trying to move you. He's trying to build faith in your life. He's trying to get you to understand it's not about what you can see. It's about walking this life out by faith. Obedience is always the precursor for a miracle. Some of y'all have been asking God for a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I could, I could ask you right now to raise your hand. Hands will go up across this room. I need a breakthrough in my life. Let me tell you, the precursor for your breakthrough is obedience. 
I'm just going to do what he told me to do. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need a breakthrough in my job. I need a breakthrough in my marriage. And you're trying to do all these different things. You mix up this and you mix up that and you've got it all together and you're so mixed up. The outcome is mixed up. Obey God's word and do it again. Do it again and obey again and obey again. If you want to take notes this morning, they say you'll remember things four times more likely if you write them down. Write this down. Number one, get close to God. Get close to God. How many of y'all know a space invader? Somebody that gets all up in your, when you're trying to talk to them. And most likely they have that rank coffee breath. They don't own stock in chewing gum. They're not trying to get a fresh breath. Like people that are close talkers that want to be right here typically have bad breath. It's like it goes hand in hand. And they're all up in here trying to talk to you, and you keep taking a step back. And you keep, oh, I got to, you pull out your phone, I got to look something up. They get closer and closer. Let me tell you, God wants to be a close talker. God wants to get up close. God wants to be right here. God wants to have a conversation that's so close with you, you can feel his breath. You can hear when he whispers. He said, it's not in the fire, it's not in the storm, it's not in the lightning. It's the still, small voice of God you'll hear. The only way you hear the still, small voice of God is if you're close. But people want to spend distance from God. Let's get close on Sunday. I'll be back and see you again in another week. Let's get close in this moment when I need you. God, I'm coming close now because I have a need, but I create distance when I want to make my own choices and decisions. And God wants to be close in your business at all times. He wants to be right there with you. And it's crazy because little things go a long way. Little things. So it's like when you take these small steps, God comes rushing. God wants to be close to you. So maybe one Sunday you decide, you know what? Today is going to be the day I'm going to lift my hands in worship. Today's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing along to the song. So you kind of in the audience, looking around. Most people got their eyes shut right now. Nobody's going to see this. Whew, that feels good. Been wanting to do that a long time. Small step. Small step. Just, okay. I've been seeing people do it. I've been thinking about it. Small step. You take a step like this. God's over here like, come on, come on, you can do it. Been putting it on your heart. And you just over there, God's like, yeah, I want to be close. Every small step you take, God comes rushing in with a much larger step. His steps aren't the same size as your steps. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. The way he responds is not the way you do. 
Man, I gave for the first time. I just, I gave. There it is. Boom. And God's like, yes, let's go. I served. I showed up. I began to do something today. I put a chair out. Look at that. I put a chair out. It's straight. It's even. Somebody can sit in that chair. It matters. That person's life that's in that chair matters. And God's like, boom, 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 come rushing in. He wants to be close to you in every moment. You've got to make a choice, a decision. God, I am going to deliberately get close to you. And when you do, he will drastically get close to you. Your deliberate choice causes him to do drastic things. God wants to be close to you right now. Feel like you're at a distance from God? Begin to take a small step. A small step. A small step. And watch God come. He said, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Who wrote that? Who wrote that? James. He wrote it in chapter 4, a couple of chapters later. He said, if you will draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Number two, write this down. Expect to hear direction from God. So I get close to God, and then I have an expectation I'm going to hear direction from him. I'm going to have God say something to me today. That's why I told you when I read daily, I expect, I'm not reading it just to go, I got through it. I may read six verses and have something stop me and not get to the rest of the reading for the day. But I'm expecting it. I don't sit down to dinner at a meal and not expect to eat. I expect to put the food from the plate in my stomach. So when you sit down with the word of God, expect to be fed. Expect to devour. Expect to taste and see that he is good. And it's good for me. And I get there and I go, oh, I need to chew on that. I need to walk through that. What does that look like for me to draw close to God right now? How in my life would I draw close to him? People say to me all the time, Pastor, I have trouble hearing from God. God doesn't have a speaking problem. You have a listening problem. He's talking all the time. His voice is louder than audible. It's louder than what we hear with our ears. So when you can't hear from God, read what he's written to you. Allow him to speak to you in many ways. You have two people sitting in the same service. One person taking notes, leaning in, sitting on the edge of your chair, Capturing everything that's said. Amen. That's good. Oh, work on that. But just consuming the word that's spoken. Somebody else sitting back, flipping through their phone. I was going to take a picture of the service and tell everybody I was at church today. But then I got distracted to see however many people were at the beach and somebody else is at church and you start Instagram just scrolling and five minutes have gone by and 
You wonder why when you walk out after church, somebody goes, man, today was so good. I can't believe what God did. And you're looking at them like, yeah, it was great. It's good. It's good. It's good. The difference is one person sat there with expectation and another sat there just enduring it. And if you come to church, if you sit through reading, if you're in a worship moment, if you're in a small group, if you are serving, looking to just endure the moment because you're supposed to be there, it will wear you out and burn you up. And you'll quit. You'll quit. You'll walk away. But if you walk into it expecting that God is going to use what I'm doing right now, man, it changes everything. You get close to God, you expect to hear from God, and you understand that when I do, God's going to respond. He has promised it already. If I get close to him, he'll get close to me. Number three, I'm going to obey him immediately and completely. I couldn't break this down into one or the other because they're a little bit different. I'm going to obey him immediately, and I'm going to obey him completely. Say immediately. Say completely. Two different things, but they go hand in hand. As a parent, you know, you look at your kid and tell them to do something. Your frustration level goes from here to here and here to here and here to here the moment you have to say it three and four times because that child did not respond immediately. And even if they do respond immediately, but they only do a halfway job, your frustration level is here as well. I told you what to do. Take all of your clothes and clean the whole room. You cleaned half the room. Obeying God comes in the form of immediacy and completion to what he says to do. Yet too many people miss one of these points. I talk to people all day long. God, I want to do something for you. God is compelling you to start serving, to come out, be a part, not just be a taker, but to give back, but to contribute. You think because we don't talk about our needs a lot here, we don't have them, but we do. We don't communicate from a place of need because that sounds needy. Nobody likes needy. You don't like needy relationships. You don't like needy employers. You don't like needy businesses. And we don't like needy churches. But it doesn't mean any of those places don't have needs. We do. But we'll never lead from our needs. Some people say, oh, well, I didn't know you needed me, Pastor. Oh, there's always a place for you. There's always a place for you. Look at that person you sit next to and say, there's a place for you here. Tell them, there's a place for you here. Your gift can be used. Your resource can be used. Your service can be used. Your life can be used. But how? When you do whatever he tells you to do, immediately and completely. Hey guys, listen, here's the deal. He's going to tell you what to do. We have no more wine. Do whatever, do whatever he says. 
Jesus tells them, hey, go get a jar, go get a jug and fill those jars. There's six jars. They weigh, they have, they hold 30 gallons of liquid. Now there were no water hoses. No instant water. They had buckets. About a one gallon bucket. So they have to go over to the well. Listen, get this picture. Go to the well, pull on the rope, the water out of the well. This has a pulley system, this doesn't. Stay with me. So they're pulling the water out. They're dipping it. They're walking over and they're pouring it. That didn't do much. Pulling it, dipping it, walking it, pouring it. I don't see any change. Pulling it, dipping it, walking it, pouring it. I guess this is going to make a difference somehow. Pulling it, dipping it, walking it, pouring it. How many times have you given and thought, is it making a difference? You put out a chair and a flag. Is this really going to make a difference? Is somebody going to see this flag that's going to make a big difference? Pull it. Dip it, walk it, pour it. I promise you, I've been trying to help that kid back in Kids on the Ad for six weeks now. That child, whoo. Immediately, completely. I wonder when the miracle came. At what point? At what point did water turn to wine? When did Jesus, you know, like, what, what move did he use? Like, me, I'd have been like, you know, like, made a show of it. Again, why I'm not Jesus. At what point in the process, i tell you where I think it happened. It happened not in the pulling, not in the walking, not in the pouring, not in the filling. It happened because they had to take another step. Listen to the instructions. He said, fill the jars so they're full to the brim. What's he saying? He's saying, when you doubt it, keep doing it. When you doubt it, keep doing it. When you doubt it, keep doing it. Keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring it. Fill it to the brim. Don't stop short. Don't quit when you're tired. Don't back down. It may seem like it's not making sense. Don't stop. Fill it to the brim. Fill it to the brim. And then he said, Woo! He gave them more instructions after that because God wants to see where you take step one. If they had never filled them to the brim, he would not have given them step number two. And somebody here is wondering today why you haven't heard from God in a while. Go back to step one. Go back to step one. What did he tell you to do? Have you done it completely yet? 30 gallons. You know what 30 means in the Bible? Breakthrough. When I saw it, oh, it was so good. It means you're about to turn the corner. A young man at 30 years old goes from young adulthood to midlife, adult, midlife adulthood in the Jewish culture. Jesus explodes on the scene. This is when he is 30. A month turns over to the next calendar day 
when 30 well pastor you know let's be picky here 28 29 30 31 exactly that's why we don't put our faith in numbers we put our faith in God because the numbers are always submitted to God just like the son he made the son he can replace the son he can work inside the numbers if he wants to the numbers don't dictate God God works on his own timeline but somewhere around the 30th poor, it got filled to the top, filled to the brim. He gives them another instruction and he says to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. This is when I believe the miracle happened. They're carrying it over. I don't know if he looked down at it, thought it was clear, it was transparent. It's getting darker. It's got a little fruity smell to it now. Imagine if you were that guy walking that over and gave it to somebody and he tasted it and said, mind was blown. Imagine if you're that person serving, giving, and you see the impact on somebody's life. You inviting them and inviting them and inviting them consistently, faithfully, completely hold it to your word. I'll do what you want me to do. You're inviting them to church. They finally show up after so many invitations and you see God do something in them and turn their water into line, wine. Turn their life around. Change everything inside of them. And you knew it's just simply because you kept doing what you were told to do. You're just a carrier. That's all we are. We're just the carriers. That's all I do every Sunday. I carry the word to you. I pull it out of the well. I pour it in here. I take a off the top and I go, do you want some? Would you like some? It's up to you to say, I'll try it and let the miracle happen. It's up to you to decide at what part do you want to engage God in what he's doing here. And I could quit along the way and be like, you know what, I'm tired of pulling and carrying and pouring. But we're faithful. We're committed. I'm going to do it again. I wonder what they were thinking, those guys. It's day three. This wedding's not even halfway over yet. Got a lot of ways to go. Out of wine. God does something miraculous for them in that moment. He's looking this morning to say, if you're looking for breakthrough, miracle, have you done what he's told you to do already? Have you walked out everything that he's given you and commanded you and led you to do? at this point today, right now? Have your decisions already been made? God's talking to somebody and say, hey, start tithing. Okay, one time. What didn't change anything? Consistently do it. You know what I love sometimes is when God says something, he expects us to do it and keep doing it. And he doesn't have to come back and tell us, I meant do it again. The 
first semester I moved to Florida to go to Bible college. I was there. Fastest growing Bible college in the United States in three years. Exploded. Pensacola, Florida. I get there. It's crazy. Everything is full. Every classroom, every room, everything's packed. I go home at Christmas time, and while I'm home, school splits. It's crazy. Terrible. Splits. Boom. President runs over here, starts another school. The other people managing it are trying to survive it. And I got friends calling me. Dave, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the new school? You're going to stay at the old school? You're going to stay home? You're going to quit altogether? I don't know. I got to pray. I got to talk to God. I don't know what he wants me to do. So I said, I don't know what he wants me to do. So I started praying about it. Talking to my youth pastor about it. Talking to my pastor, my dad, my mom. What do I do? This school over here and this school. And I know God told me to go here, but now this happened. And one day the Holy Spirit just spoke to me ever so gently and softly. It wasn't audible. It's just he put that in me and he said, I've already told you what to do. I haven't changed my mind. And I thought, boom! You told me to go to that school. The split in the school didn't surprise you and you haven't given me further instructions to go anywhere else. So I'm going back to the place you told me to go no matter what happens because you already knew it would. That revelation has led my life through so much since that day at 20 years old. 25 years later, I can go back and count on that and go, no, God told me. God told me to plant a church so we will keep planting and building till Jesus comes back. called me into a marriage, called me to be a parent, called me to so many things, called me to give, called me to serve, and he hasn't told me otherwise yet, so I'm going to keep doing it like a dummy until he tells me otherwise. Well, that's harsh. Why did you call yourself a dummy? I'm just trying to speak to you this morning and help convince you that we sometimes ignorantly quit because we don't see the result we expected or was promised to us. God wants to see, will you be consistent? Will you keep pulling out, walking over, pouring? Or do you want to give up at some point because you didn't get out of it what you thought you were going to get? Listen to the words of James again now. Put this into perspective. Do not merely listen to the word and take what's being given to you freely. And you walk around in deception, thinking, I'm doing good, I'm doing right, I'm walking this out. No, you're deceived because all you're doing is receiving. Receiving only can lead to deceiving. But do what it says because anybody who listens to the word doesn't do it. It's like that person looks in the mirror, goes away, and forgets wonder why after coming here for a year, two years, six months you feel left out lonely, forgotten do people know your name because you've just been taking but whoever looks intently whoever starts to give back whoever starts to lean in 
and then continues in it. Look at James' words there. He continues in it. And you don't forget, but you keep doing it. You'll be blessed in what you do. Blessed in what you do. We only have one service, so I actually have like two sermons I could preach this morning. So hang in your seat for another five minutes. They got close to God. They expected to hear from God. And they obeyed immediately and completely what he said to do. I remember one time, I could tell you stories like this for days. This couple heard from God. They couldn't have kids. Couldn't have kids. Trying, couldn't have kids. They heard from God. Go to bye-bye baby and buy a nursery set. They put it together. So they did. Went to the store, bought the stuff, brought it home, assembled it, set it up, and then dealt with the questions. <gasps> when are you expecting? <gasps> when do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They didn't say we're not because they were expecting a lot. They said, I don't know. We don't know. You don't know the timetable God works off of, but you know the end of that story. They got pregnant and had a baby. Why? Because they stepped into expectation and responded to the word of God with that same expectation. Some of y'all need to get a nursery and put the crib together and get your life in order so that you're building a room out so then God can walk out what he wants you to do. Follow step one. Go back to step one. Number four, make your decision in the moment of faith. That's why I build moments at the end of the sermon, the end of the message, for you to engage God in your way, pray, and make a decision here because this is a moment of faith. You'll step out of this room and go eat chicken and bounce houses and jump around, maybe play golf today, watch a movie. And as you do, that's all good, but you'll step out of this moment. If Noah had not responded in the moment of faith, I bet he doesn't go to Ace Hardware and buy a hammer. He goes home and contemplates it, and his whole family drowns. The moment of faith you have right now is when you need to respond. There's a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. You can look him up if you want. Crazy, crazy guy. A revival preacher. He was going to preach a revival service one night. And as he was on his way, you know, old school revival, like night after night after night. As he was on his way into the service, he heard of God tell him, go to the hotel, go to room 537, yell in the keyhole, John 316. Said, I thought that's crazy, just like you're thinking. That's ridiculous. I'm walking to the revival. I see the hotel. I could pass it by, but I, mm, it's driving me. It's pulling me. He said, I steered off my way and walked over to the hotel, climbed to the fifth floor, found room 537, walked up to it, and as quick as he could, he said, I looked in that keyhole and I yelled, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life, and ran back down the hallway took off got out of the hotel before they thought he was too crazy went to the service had revival 
didn't think about it again. The next night, he shows up at revival to preach. Somebody gets up and says, we're looking for testimonies tonight. Anybody want to give a testimony of what God's done? This hand pops up. This gentleman stands up and says, last night, I was standing on a chair in my room with a noose around my neck, about to kick the chair out, end it all. And a voice came through my hotel room door and said, God loved me so much he sent his son that I didn't have to die. That's why I'm here tonight. Let me tell you something. It will seem ridiculous. It won't make sense. There's no logic to it. But stop counting on the sensible and the logical to follow a God of the miraculous. If you stand up, I'll slow down. Come on. I'll park this plane. Come on. I'm telling you, we could go all day. I could preach faith to you all day long. Everybody wants the impossible. Nobody wants the impractical. This is the life God has called us to. This is the life that he has for you. To pick up that picture and reach in every morning and walk over and pour it out and go, God, I'm reading your word today. I got a one-year Bible. Don't worry about going through it one year. It's just an idea, concept. It may take you two years, five years. It may take you a lifetime. Read it every day till you get something out of it. Keep pouring. Keep inviting somebody. Keep serving, dream team. Don't be worn out. Get tired and doing good. keep giving. I love that thought of immediately and completely. That's why this is a moment of faith, because somebody needs to respond right now and make a commitment in your heart to you and God. I don't need to know about it. You can share it with somebody if you want to. That's unnecessary or necessary. Totally your call. What is necessary is you understand in this moment, you have an opportunity to tell God, I am going to do whatever it is you tell me to do from here on out. This is the starting place for every believer to get to, to realize if my life is going to be effective, if I'm going to see God do things in my life that I've only dreamt of, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard of the things God has prepared for you to do, but you must walk it out by being faithful to dip it, walk it, pour it, and doing it again, and doing it again, and doing it again. Close your eyes for a moment. Just lift your hands as if you're offering something to God. And I want you to know, I want you to say right now, will you offer to God a commitment to say, God, I'll do what you tell me to do. I don't know. I can't take you a step further and say, he's going to tell you to do this. He's going to tell you to do this. He's going to tell you to do All I can tell you is this. Mary said it. James said it. And it's good for us today. Will you commit yourself that, God, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it. God, we are committed. God, as we lead this church this morning, in our fifth year, we renew that commitment that we made in year one. God, what you tell us to do, we will do. What you tell us to give, we will give. What you tell us to set up, we will set up. Will you tell us to have outreaches? We'll have outreaches. God, we will go. 
we will do, we will be, we will say we are your people and you can count on us obeying you completely and immediately. This is our commitment to you, God. Corporately. God, hear the commitments of people personally, individually. by that it means when I walked in this morning I didn't know what the set list was I didn't know what we were singing I just knew what I was preaching so I still didn't hear like each one of you and if I knew I didn't put two and two together we start singing this song put those lyrics back up on the I'll pour out my praise I'll pour out my praise but worship doesn't make a lot of sense. Why am I singing and lifting my hands? Because I'm pouring out my praise. I'm dipping into my resources and I'm pouring myself out. Listen to the words of Paul, Philippians chapter 2. Even if I am to be poured out like a drink offering, it's good for your faith. If I'm to be poured out like a drink offering. That is a picture of what it looks like when you live the poured out life. I'm pouring myself out as an offering, God. Will you receive it on the altar of sacrifice? Just pouring out, just pouring out. If you need a picture of your life, worship, giving, serving, inviting, testifying, reading, understanding, listening, learning, developing, growing, this is a picture of your life. Picking up and pouring out. Picking up and pouring out. 
God, we thank you this morning. You're so good. You're so great, God. God, use our lives. Drink offering. Pour it out before you. Any way you want. something new is about to happen. Across this room, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. A prayer we call salvation. It's a simple yet significant decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. It's a starting point for all of Christianity. It's a place you begin. We invite everybody to pray with us, those watching online. In a moment, I want our prayer team to come down and join me at the front. As they join me, I'm going to give you a chance. We're going to dismiss. If you want prayer for anything this morning, anything at all in your life, so I would love to have a moment to pray with you. But if today you're ready to make that decision, that choice that will dictate your destiny forever and eternity, put faith in God right now by what you're saying. Say, Jesus I'm going to pray it across this room, the whole church. Jesus, Jesus. come into my life. life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. new. Wash me clean. clean. I leave my old life behind. behind. 
join you for a new life. Use my life to do whatever you tell me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, put your hands together this morning. Celebrate. I believe God's doing something great. I really believe that he is stirring and changing things. This one decision you can make today could define your life for the rest of your life. To make Jesus your Lord or say, God, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. And that will build, be a building block that I use. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. As we dismiss this morning, if you have some kids, don't forget, Surge Conference is coming up. I'm just going to go through the announcements now because we're up against the clock. July 10, 11, 12, Surge Conference, Faith Family Church in Baytown. We're going to join them. Phenomenal time. Massive. It'll be 1,500 kids there. Make sure your students, your teenagers, 6th to 12th grade are there. If they need, uh, if you need assistance, you go on the website. You can sign them up there. Information is out there. See Brittany or Albert Wagner as well. They'll get you information. Um, if you need a scholarship, let me know. If you want a scholarship, a student or two, a sponsor somebody to go, let us know as well. We love your generosity for doing that too. Also, in the back, you'll see the giving station is in the back. You can use the online portal, myavenue.church to give, or you can use the text to give. Maybe today is your day. You say, I'm going to faithfully and completely start tithing, start giving something to God consistently. Not just when I'm here, not just when I feel like it, not just when I remember to. Hey, use that little function called reoccurring giving and let it just come out automatically and watch your faithfulness grow and developing to something that God has for you. It's amazing what God can do when we do things faithfully, completely, in obedience.